This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Well, this is just something I worked up. Uh, I'll do it for you. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Hello, I'm Jake, and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast, the podcast where we take plays, films, and more that have never been staged before, or are never likely to be staged again, and we talk about how we'd stage them. As always, I'm joined by Caleb. Hello. Hello. And this week, we are joined by the host of the Playground Theatre podcast, playwright Nancy Netherwood, and producer, director, and writer Sam Weber. Hello. Hello. How are you guys? Good. Yeah, I'm feeling fantastic. I'm excited to stage. And I'm really happy that we're on this podcast, (laughs) because this is the first one we've been asked to guest on. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a bit about your uh, your podcast? Sam? Yeah, okay, go on then. Um, so I'll, I'll <laughs> miss something and then Nancy's going to jump in and, and fix it, like she does on our podcast. That's my job. Um, so, so our podcast is called Playground. Um, that's two words uh, rather than one because we decided to make it really difficult to find on your, your podcast platforms. Um, and effectively, every couple of weeks we get together, um, sometimes with a guest, sometimes on our own, and we look at a different playtext and try and... Uh, do a deep dive analysis of it, looking at themes, character, style, how it's maybe influenced the genre, especially if it's an older text. Um, and yeah, it was kind of just a deep dive into play texts uh, as things to read as opposed to plays to see, which is is what other podcasts maybe cover. Yeah. Is that about right, Nancy? Yeah, I think that's about right. We try and make it fairly fun as well. Yeah, <laughs> not just dry. Yeah, it's not <laughs> like of... dry textual analysis. We try and we try and have fun. I bring the insane levels of research and Sam lightens it up and makes me sound less boring. Well, as in Sam doesn't do the research, that's that way of saying it. Um, and we've, I think we've been described as basically like uh, like having a chat in the bar after a show, that kind of vibe of trying yeah. to pick apart, but but also a bit chaotic and going off on tangents because we can't help ourselves. And apologies that you guys are now going to have to go through that chaos. <laughs> that's absolutely okay. And you guys, uh, I, I was just going to say, we'll be really disappointed because you know, normally we're on the straight and narrow and we talk on one topic and we never, we never stray. Uh, <laughs> uh, on, and you, you guys have done a lot of sort of quite recent uh, plays as well. Stuff that's only like in the last couple of years been published, mm-hmm. which yeah. is exciting as well as someone who not, doesn't get to see as much theatre as I'd like. It's nice to hear about all of these these new plays coming well, out as well. That was part of our motivation with the choices is um, Sam also doesn't get to see a lot of stuff living in Norwich, like in terms of kind of big shows. Um, so yeah, one of the things, as we were saying, was kind of looking at them as the pl- the published play text uh, and how those are kind of represented so it's not reliant on you having seen like the most recent shows that have been on, on at the fringe yeah and if you're into classics yeah. we try and do those as well it's kind of a it's, it yeah. generally goes every other week as an old one versus a, a contemporary play brilliant cool let's get into uh what we're doing uh this week you guys have brought the wicker man which Sam informed me, Nancy, that you you chose The Wicker Man. I did. I chose The Wicker Man. I think me and Sam wanted to do something horror adjacent, something kind of horror-y. Yeah. Um, and I also think something kind of quite ambitious. We'd, we Yeah, we were talking about a few different potentials. Uh, lots Real. of things with, uh, you know, body horror and um, big special effects. And we settled on this. Nice. I'm excited to get into it. So The, the Wicker Man was released in 1973. It's a, a British film uh, by director Robin Hardy and writer Anthony Schaffer. It stars Edward Woodward, Christopher Lee, Diane uh, Salento, uh, Britt Eklard, Ingrid Pitt. Um, and it was kind of like a, a pretty well-received film at the time, although it didn't come out in America for like another five years after it was first released. And it is kind of came, I think, at a pretty key time in British culture because we kind of just had the swinging 60s this time of sort of sexual liberation and this film is sort of dealing pretty directly with this return to religious conservatism within Britain um, and kind of that conflict that's, that has I think with this sort of pagan revival that had happened in the decade prior um, and it kind of deals pretty directly with that before I get you guys to do a plot I just thought I would mention uh, in case there's any people that know anything about it, there was previously an attempt at a stage adaptation of this film um, and they got all the way up to a few weeks before previewing at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe in 2009 uh, before cancelling it. Not 
entirely sure why. There doesn't seem to be much information as to why it was cancelled. So uh, maybe we will uh, stumble across that in our own staging. Um, But I thought I'd mention that because we like to do things that haven't been staged before. So I wanted to make it clear that this hasn't been staged, but it nearly got staged. Um, Anyway, do you you guys want to give us uh, a little rundown of the plot for people that maybe haven't seen the film? Yeah, so so we're going to attempt to. um, Inevitably, we'll miss things out because it's it's a whole hour and a half. Um, And if anyone's listened to our podcast before and has come here because of that, they'll know how awful we are at awful I am at summing things up sorry Nancy yeah also um I should point out I think it sounds like from our conversation we had beforehand that most of us have watched the kind of standard cut of this but Sam has watched yeah. the director's cut oh um which has I think like about 10 minutes of extra footage so there are a few bits that Sam may yeah I don't know which bits those seen. are I know there's some snails but... having sex which is unique to the longer version yes oh that no that was okay, in the cool. one I watched. okay uh, you yeah. must have watched the longer version then um, yeah, that's the sort of hour and, forty. And Christopher cut Lee thing. does a poem as well, yes. I think, in that longer version. And it opens uh, no, differently. No, as one of the I mean, there's like three versions. Realised as a yeah. yeah. I did read that no one has seen the original cut. Apparently, it like the died. very original. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. You're going to tell us a yeah, plot. I'm going to tell you a plot. And, um, <laughs> bef- when we, whatever we decide we're going to do to stage this, I think we stick with. Um, the kind of legacy this film was left of having loads of different versions by having about four slightly different scripts that get played over different nights. <laughs> and no one, ever, no one ever knows what they've seen or what they haven't seen, just for yeah. the, <laughs> the confusion. Um, should I do a plot? Sorry, you asked us that to do that a while yeah, ago. Yeah, you kick off, Sam, because you, uh, you, your version starts differently from mine. Okay, well, so Police Sergeant Neil Howey, uh, played by Edward Woodward, which is the best name ever, um, he, he, it opened with him having a bit of a sing in a church. Uh, and we go, great, that man's a, a good old Christian. We love that. We then see the plane, so some lovely music, going across the Scot- Scottish Highlands, across the sea. He ends up on an island. Uh, he's there to investigate the murder of Rowan... Nancy, throwing to you. Morrison. Morrison, Rowan Morrison. Because <laughs> um, he's received an, a, like a letter saying that she's gone missing for several months and he's there to investigate her disappearance, possible murder. Uh, as he stays in the town, he realises that all these people... Um, a part of a, a pagan religion that involves a lot of sex and a lot of singing about sex and a lot of not worshipping <laughs> the god he holds to be true. He also discovers that their crops have been failing the last year and he's convinced that Rowan Morrison was the fair queen the year that the f- crops failed and that's why they killed her. The next, uh, was it the next celebration is coming up? The next summer harvest yeah. celebration is coming up. The May Day. The May Day, yes, thank you. Um, (laughs) He then goes on a hunt for Rowan Morrison, still convinced she's dead. She's not. It was all a big ruse. Uh, He was the one that they wanted. I've missed out loads of bits. Nancy, help me out. Um, Oh, God. It's quite... Having said earlier that it was a very simple plot, it's actually quite hard to summarise it all. Um, Yeah, basically, he realises that they're going to make a sacrifice to the pagan god. So I think it's the god of the sun... And the god of the harvest, possibly. And that there's this whole backstory about Christopher Lee's character, Lord Summerisle, is a descendant of someone who came to this island because it had a good climate for growing crops and reintroduced the pagan beliefs into the kind of island community. And then they've kind of got a little bit carried away and started to believe them. And this is the first time that those that kind of um, cycle of ritual has failed. And they've obviously blamed that on the um, on the kind of religious reasons rather than the environmental reasons um which is why they are sacrificing someone who we yeah we at first think is going to be rowan morrison and then we later discover is famously uh howie in the the giant wicker man of the title i was surprised i was just so shocked to find that the wicker man of the like dvd cover <laughs> yeah is not mentioned until three seconds before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, right at the it's end. in about ten shots of the film, just to it's end wild. the film. But I love that. I mm. I think what this film does perfectly is it it um it holds off on so many characters and pieces of information, and well, and more on settings than pieces of information. It doesn't seem to be like trying to hide anything from us, mm. but it just holds off on the reveal of Lord Summerisle. We hear so much about him before we see him. And then, yeah, obviously the reveal of the Wicker Man at the end. And I think what it does is it it just sort of builds this whole sense of unease around the Mm. whole film and this whole atmosphere of just like everything is slightly unsettled. And it's not like really 
unsettled, but just like slightly strange. And I, I really, I really like that. I think that's kind of like a key part of the atmosphere that I think you'd want to carry over into a yeah. stage production. I, I, I think there's one bit in the film particularly that actually, spoilers for Midsummer, was copied in Midsummer. Um, <laughs> if anyone, if guys so copied for Midsummer. Yeah, but the, also a lot. But one specific thing, which is uh, in the in the pub, there's this. Um, long line of photos of all of the the, the queens all of the mayfair queens the may, the queens. may queens thank you i keep getting that word wrong all of the may queens <laughs> and the most recent one is missing um and you're led to believe the sergeant doesn't actually say it himself for a long time you're just led to believe by the way it's filmed that oh i see they kill them all every every time that one goes mm. out then they yeah. die and then it turns out no they don't they survive and someone else gets burned and then Midsummer, 30, 40, 50 years later, managed to pull the exact same trick with the exact same set of photographs. <laughs> Midsummer also, watching this again for the first time since I'd seen Midsummer, basically rips off the entire like basic plot of this film. I don't know, there's kind of more themes going on. I think this is quite this has got an almost kind of like fable feel in terms of like yes, the characters yeah. and the the plot lines, whereas Midsummer's a little bit more like psychologically nuanced. Yeah, because right, if this yeah. film feels like really of its time, in the sense that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I've always thought that like horror films of that period, they they really kind of center on the f- cultural fears of Western society mm. at that time, and this feels like as he's as he's mentioned up top, Caleb, that it's it's playing on the fear of. 1970s Britain being scared of you know sex and liberation and 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 not going to church on Sundays and things like that and for that reason it kind of felt a bit odd to watch now because I was mm. kind of like all the stuff that he's horrified at I wasn't quite sure whether I was supposed to be horrified too yeah and, I mean I think, yeah I think in some ways it, it, what I like about this film is it is kind of ambiguous about that mm. because I think also mm. what it kind of suggests is that like almost we should be fearful again of this uh, return to a conservative Christianity that had controlled Mm. society up to now. And it kind of, in the end, it leaves us to kind of wonder, okay, maybe they burned Howie and next year they have a great harvest. Or maybe these are just a bunch of like kind of slightly uh, crazy people on an island, like actual heathens. And Mm. (laughs) next year they won't have a good harvest. And then they'll know that it was all lies. It was all made up. And I think the film leaves that open for mm. you to say, to to choose, okay, yeah, like these people are probably are living a happier life than Howie, who's this like very repressed man. We have this <laughs> extended sequence of him just sweating over the fact that there's an attractive woman in the yeah. room next door. Um, <laughs> but, but also like you can kind of go, yeah, but also these people kill people. <laughs> like they actually kill yeah. someone every year and that's, and that's messed up. So I think there's, there's a level of ambiguity there, but it is... In, it, the sort of central conflict is between traditional uh, Christian religion and a kind of older pagan religion that is all about sort of sexual liberation and mm. all the sort of things that go along with that. Awesome. Okay, I feel like we've talked around the themes and things. Let's mm. get into staging this thing. Any broad ideas? There's one thing that I, when I was watching this, I thought there's one thing I'm, I don't want to back down on. I'm desperate to have in this stage production, which is actor musicians. <laughs> Preferably at yeah. certain points, all wearing those kind of animal masks that the the people in the film wear at the end, um, and nothing yeah, else yeah. other than maybe a guitar to cover their junk. <laughs> <laughs> the music is the music is awesome in this film. Oh, yeah. it was. The, the opening. The, the, when it opened, I was like, this is weird. Why They're singing about mm. bales. It's 10 minute shots of a plane. But then I realized that's kind of just how all movies open yeah. then. <laughs> and then. And then the rest, and then the rest of the time, it's, it really makes it. It's incredible. Yeah, um, I think... Man. There's some arrangement of Bar Bar Black Sheep, mm. um, which is <laughs> it somehow is amazing. Um, and yeah, these actor musicians, and I, I, I think I mean, that's what they are in the film as well, I guess. Uh, and that's... Um, I, I really agree with that. I think that should definitely be a part of it. I've even written I've I've even written musical with a dark twist yeah. at the end question mark. Yeah. I think me and Sam were saying before when we chatted before this that I'd kind of forgotten that it's basically a musical. Like it's mm. even shot those musical numbers are shot like musical numbers in a musical. And there are I think there's about ten songs or something in it. There's a lot of music and it's very like yeah. woven into the narrative and that kind of atmosphere that we were talking about, that kind of feeling of dread and kind of uncanniness. Yeah, well, yeah. it does that thing that a musical does where all the music is either to give us greater info about the characters or the place or the next part of the story. So it, it is 
it very much is a musical. And in fact, I, I like quite famously, I think on, on the set, Robin Hardy about halfway through um, filming announced, like got all the actors together and just announced to them that they were filming a musical. And they were like, Oh, okay. <laughs> this is, I guess this is a musical then. Um, and is this such a weird, there is such a weird sort of mashup of genres. Cause it's like folk mm. horror musical it's kind of the script is almost like a melodrama, but there's also a lot of like almost verging on comedy. Yeah, in it's it a as black well. comedy. I think it's a black comedy yeah. folk musical. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, is basically yeah. what I've realised. All, all of this is why I think I think it would work so well on the stage because so much about the film, basically all of the techniques are like plays would have been about 500 years ago, as standard. You know, it's like you, mm. acting musicians. What, what you're on about? That's just everyone. And of course, plays have songs. Yeah. Of 500 years, maybe that's a bit early but you know but the classic <laughs> come on Sam like the, Greek, like the classic Greek plays and, and the idea of just throwing in jokes and having room for them to play and, and singing and, and mm. with all of the songs I think especially there's one called Procession which is when they're all marching along and making the kind of sun figure with their their swords it all makes everything mm. feel so much more important and old even though it's the 70s I think that's yeah. why this play would work really well in Nancy I know you had an idea of how this should be staged that you really want yes <laughs> Yeah, oh, go sorry. For it. I'm I pa- thought you I'm were giving your you. take. So the first, the, I basically before I even started rewatching it, I think this needs to be like an outdoor, immersive promenade show. Is my mm. instinct. I think by the end of this, I got around to the idea that I think it should be the grounds of some kind of national trust house, and you have like a big area and hopefully some kind of like woodland area, and you do it as a kind of yeah, like a kind of festival atmosphere where you'd have the actor musicians beforehand and you'd have different locations kind of around this festival ground so that was my i don't know how you guys feel about that that was my kind of instant feeling i'm massively on board for that i actually just at the weekend went for a walk around mount edgecombe which isn't actually i don't think it's necessarily national trust but it's that kind Mm. of property and they've just got huge grounds and they even have in the grounds like a natural amphitheater as well and it's only but these days it's only used for outdoor cinema and i'm like oh wow this is a massively missed opportunity so i think there's loads of locations like that and we've talked about recently on the podcast how these sort of heritage sites are are kind of seeking new ways of of getting tourists in especially after covid Mm. i think this is just so ripe for like using those locations and making the the most of those locations with something like this and i think like you could even tour it around different yeah. places and, and you could use each setting to kind of play with elements of the story. And like you were saying, Sam, you can be playful with different parts of this. You can throw in different jokes here and there. You can kind of change up what exactly is this production according to where you, you said it as well. So I think, yeah, there's definitely a lot of promise in doing this as a sort of promenade musical kind of I, I love the idea <laughs> yeah. of touring as well like can we change the gods that and that they're praying to and the accents they have depending on where we go like take it down to cornwall and suddenly have Absolutely. a totally different very similar but totally different mm. rural um mm. aesthetic well that's what i was going to say i was going to say that the the kind of heritage theater sector as it stands right now it, it's really growing um we talked about this a few weeks ago but it, it it is in this place where people they'll build a show that is malleable and kind of it's almost like you put a new skin on it with a different mm sort of idea that you can not necessarily tour around but take to different places because they're so expensive to set up it it takes a while you wouldn't want to do it a new a fresh every time mm. but i was going to say what's important to these sites um that way what did you say mount edgecombe mount edgecombe which is actually yeah. just in, just inside cornwall it's like overlooks oh, cool. the Plymouth sound so uh, mount edgecombe uh, I've just looked it up. is is owned by the government, actually. Oh um, right, so yeah. you might might find it more difficult there. But the, the all these kind of heritage sites that uh, what you'd want, what they'd want from you if you pitched to them something like this is okay. But how is it going to benefit our visitors? How is it, you know, how is it going to add to the experience? People who want to visit this place, and often that comes with education and uh, and some kind of feeling of the area. And so yes, if we could do some research into, you know, what exactly was the pagan history of this mm-hmm. particular place that we are yeah. i think that'd be a really great way of doing that uh because i'm thinking about you know setting setting up runes and wicker men in in their gardens um, <laughs> so, um i think that'd be very I, fun i think that'd be great okay, well, I, was, I was just gonna say in terms of like heritage and and quote regional theater and all, and all this stuff i think you're, you're spot on in terms of um it's always asked how does this benefit what educational benefits are there and i think 
I've got two thoughts on that. One of which is I'm quite I'm sick and tired of funders asking why is this relevant? What's the benefits? You know why why can't we just make something that's cool and good like you can do in London? Why in everywhere else yes. in the country does it have to be really relevant and and condescending to people? On the other hand, I get really excited about the idea of if we're, if we're doing this touring thing now of going to different locations of. You have your main actors, mm. but otherwise it's a community event. There's loads of amateur groups across the country who are amazing. Yes. And why not go, okay, we'll I'll send you all the masks in advance and the music. You can come up with the ritual dances. You can come up with these scenes. You play the villagers, basically. And one, that will sell your tickets. Yeah. And two, I think, that, I think that makes it relevant to local places from what local places mm. can bring rather than us just imposing it. That is a great idea. Yeah. And it is that thing of... Yeah, you, you just provide the principal cast, but you allow the local uh, performers to really like take hold of and control that material and make it their own. And I think it empowers that local performance scene to make the most of the fact that you are touring to their location. I think that's great. Mm. I think as well, like that you do get this weird history in so many of these heritage sites. So many of them have some kind of eccentric lord similar to Lord Summerall somewhere in their history. <laughs> and you just have to sort of slightly rewrite to make it fit that location. I know to bring it back to Mount Edgecombe, just because I was there at the weekend, <laughs> that they had a lord who like built this tower and then like immediately blew it up so that he could have ruins in the grounds of his house. And so there are ruins there, but they were like purposely built to be ruins. Like surely there's something <laughs> there that you can involve yeah. incorporate in the story that it's so weird. And, yeah, and they, but, yeah. I think God, you find that in so many. That's the dream. Ways. It does fit it's in with the thematic stuff as well, though. <laughs> so I was just like, yeah, I want that. In my that that's um, yeah. rich enough that you can just deliberately blow shit up for your house. But that is kind of like, <laughs> yeah. as we were saying, that's kind of what he's done in the film is that his grandfather has come over and like, f- like kind of force grown a kind of folk tradition in, on this island. So it yeah. does, again, that kind of does kind of tie in. So, so are we, are we saying that we'd have the town just rather than the town, we'd, we'd set all of the indoor scenes and the, and the kind of finding out scenes inside of whatever heritage building happens to be around uh, or... Or would we set up, or would we bring our own tents and shacks and things and that that would become the town? I wonder, or? do we have to do anything in, indoors? Because I know that we've got... I was wondering about that. Because we, could we, could we transfer the spaces to outdoors? So like an outdoor bar, which would surely be open yeah. for everyone watching as well before the show starts. Yeah. That could serve as a pub, yeah. an outdoor um, like market stall instead of sweet shop, instead of post office. I don't know whether that would work. Be logistically easier. Yeah. Yeah. And an outdoor, you even do an outdoor classroom. I mean, they're pagans. You can kind of yeah. make it whatever you want to, right? You just say, yeah, they do classroom outside. That's and yeah, I think writing do. down scenes as I was watching it, like a lot of the indoor locations aren't really that important. Like, I think the main ones are you kind of have the, you have the maypole kind of set up which is outside the schoolhouse and you have the graveyard and the grounds of somewhere else house so i think yeah really yeah. i think you could probably move them all to outdoor probably spaces, only the pub is well, i think yeah it's yeah the pub's yeah probably the, only one that's... the pub and this idea of yeah he goes to bed in this place and they and they kind of are trying to control him there and mm. uh and that whole atmosphere that's created when they all sing mm. because they've sent a sent a virgin <laughs> boy up to have sex with <laughs> very very strange um, yeah and I mean, uh and there's the post office as well this kind of idea of like this woman living and, pre- and like to him pretending that her daughter do- her daughter's dead or whatever when, when or she's never not. existed yeah right, depending what on what time. I, yeah i mean yeah. i think a lot of those indoor spaces do the the most they do is inform the characters so the classroom sets up the, that miss rose is the teacher the uh library sets up that she's the librarian the you know the like weird apothecary sets up that he's the sort of town physician like mm. i think a lot of it is just about like showing who those characters are and using outdoor market stalls or you know elements of costume and and props you could do all of that outside for the most part Mm -hmm. the only place yeah i mean i guess that indoor of the inn would be useful to do inside but you wouldn't necessarily have to and then i just love that um setting of lord summer like that sort of like um i guess it's i don't know some kind of lounge where he has like this <laughs> massive grand piano mm. which is just like it's just so the production design is just so excellent i yeah. just love it so much it just sums up exactly who so, he is well, there's hunting trophies as well which i quite like yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um but exactly like it's still just informing character so you could definitely move out i think i've got a solution to the the pub um and then maybe while i'm saying this someone can think of one for the summer isles like 
mansion castle thing i think possibly okay so when you've just got everyone at the pub they could definitely be just drinking outdoors because i mean if anyone's ever lived in a rural place like getting pissed in a field is part of it's just part of life right so you go so you have all you have all these men old young hanging around yeah (laughs) um and then they, they can just get drunk in the park and then maybe we have instead of like an upstairs space that is where him and Willow go and where the Virgin gets sent to, to be deflowered, to use a horrible phrase that I now regret. Um, we just have like a single like shack. Yeah. So a single, a single shack that's yeah. up, um, which is like the one, re- it's representative of all indoor space. So when people go in there, the shag the shag shack shack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we just see it, you know, when the shack oh, is dear. rocking, don't go knocking, that kind of thing. <laughs> So people can get sent in there and then everyone can have a sing around it and we don't have to deal with actually having an indoor space. Well, I guess that that brings us slightly slightly onto just the whole thing of nudity, which is such a major theme in here. And obviously, you know, when you're using a camera, you can be very clever and hide the extra naughty bits and only show the little bit (laughs) naughty bits, I guess. Um, And... uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the licensing etc. rules are for theatre. Yes. In terms of it, is it is it gratuitous? Is there something different we can do, or is it necessary? I think you would have trouble, especially doing a touring community show. Yeah, yeah I was just like a group the of fully frontal people <laughs> leaping over fires. I was say, my, yeah, my but... instinct was let's just go fully nude. Then I realised about two minutes ago, I'd said let's get local amateur dram am drum company yeah. for us. <laughs> That's going to destroy some some dynamics in the village. I feel like you don't... I feel like you could do it in a way that isn't necessarily full frontal nudity that still kind of gets across the idea of it being kind of, like, liberated. I think you could do, like, small garments, you know? Yeah, so they're all wearing hospital gowns. Yes, a little little loincloth, I don't know. Yeah, I think you can be suggestive, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess if you did want to include some nudity, you could do that with the principal cast who yeah. will be professional. I was going to say, I think there's possibly something about go behind bushes, go into the, the shag shack for the most people. And then I don't know, because maybe Willow dancing. And I think just to even it out when we have our sergeant, when he's brought out at nighttime on the chase and when he's sacrificed, I think he should be nude as well, just to have some gender equality in the nudity. Um, so maybe just a couple of the leads that tall place to place. Go on, sorry. I'm sorry, I was just going to say, I think we can kind of say that in the film, there is maybe a slightly gratuitous amount of nudity, yeah. given the fact that it's a 70s film and they have this incredibly beautiful... Did we decide she was Swedish, Sam? Brett. Yeah, Brett but Brent. not the bum. Yeah. And not her voice. No, not the bum. Someone else's bum. But I feel like a lot of it is very, like, of the time. I think you can probably get away with a lot less than there actually is Wait, in so that film. She didn't have a bust double, but she did have a bum double? So she refused to be fully nude below the waist. Uh, right. And so when she left for the day, they brought in someone else without telling her who was her bum double. Wow, and yeah, is her voice dubbed? It yes. seem like it was. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's dubbed by a Scottish. Yeah, she's, she's and I believe her singing voice is another voice again. So yeah. she's she's so literally just, a face. As Sam said she's just a face. <laughs> no, it's crazy because all of the all of the female islanders are these just ridiculously attractive women, and then all of the male ones are just these like middle aged kind yeah. of slightly written, strange looking I've character actors. In my character notes, so there is definitely this kind of disparity. Assorted there. old Scots men. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think there's something to be said for so definitely avoiding the gratuitous sort of oh young females just getting nude. I think there's something to be said for giving the middle-aged and older people a, an opportunity if they would like to just to get their kit off, which I think yeah, like, just because um, we don't see it that often and it's a bit liberating. Like calendar girls. Like in also Ariasta, yeah, Ariasta's yeah. hereditary if you've yeah. seen that. There's a lot of that yes, in the kind of one. cult characters of like lots of older people fully nude kind of just standing out in the fields mm. and it's quite interesting because it's very like non-sexualized in hereditary they're just they're just nude for their cult beliefs mm. so i feel like yeah e- equal opportunities nudity if if we did go for the nudity yeah i thought i feel like we we got somewhere with nudity i was going to take us a, a back to music a little bit Wait, do you want to just go let's enough. go back to music a little bit <laughs> um oh. Unless you want to, unless what, you wanted to what, double what, down what, on nudity. What audiences can't see is that I'm in, entirely nude whilst we do this podcast. It's <laughs> the only way he'll record. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even Wicker Man based. It just helps me free up my ideas. Sorry, let's just talk about music. I'm, yeah. I'm ruining the flow. 
What? No, no, it's all right. Yeah, I was gonna, I was just gonna bring us back to music a little bit. We talked up top about actor musicians and uh, a bit about that, but I guess I wanted to just return to this idea of this as a musical and really leaning into the fact that this, mm. like this, this film is a musical. There are lots and lots of songs, and all of the music is this kind of diegetic like it, it is within this world and all these people are playing these instruments and singing these songs but there's also something really kind of disconcerting about that because in real life we don't all just launch into song um and i think that there is something unsettling about about this being a musical mm. like when i watched it i didn't know that it was a musical i knew stuff about the wicker man and i knew it was this kind of like kind of pagan film but i had no idea it was a musical and i think there is something surprising and also unsettling about using that is there a way we can lean even more into this being a musical in, in our current thinking for staging it? I think, I don't know if we need to add songs or more, although there might be a few more folk songs that we think, yeah, why not track mm. in, especially if we're doing this touring thing. I think, I don't know about you, you say it was unsettling. For me, it is a bit unsettling, but also something really nice about it. Because I think what's unsettling yeah. is that everyone in this, this whole community knows all the songs. Which yeah. is, must be something that used to happen, but these days yeah. th- that doesn't. If someone sings in the pub, yeah, you might get like Wonderwall or whatever, but most of the time we don't. So I think it's kind of unsettling, but also quite—I don't know—I found it quite inviting the idea of having a group of yeah. people that you could all you all have that shared experience with. So we add in um papa. Is that I the, is that the like... plan? Is that... <laughs> yes, we do. Um-papa. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel like a kind of key question with the whole show, but also with this, is who the audience are in the show. Because my feeling was mm. that the audience are part of the village, which I guess if we're going with this community theatre idea, that kind of would all automatically be embedded. In, you would have people in the audience who knew people in the in the company. And I feel like it yeah. works best if, kind of like in the film, everyone knows, kind of knows what's going on except him. Like we all have seen the DVD cover of The Wicker Man. We know that we're going to end up at a wicker man and he has no idea. So I feel like the audience yeah. are part of the community. Do we hand out lyrics? Do we do. involve people that way? I mean, I bring it back to uh, sort of changing it according to the local area. Uh, the pub down the road for me uh, in non-COVID times has uh, a, a shanty night in which a, a, a band which is called Minor Key, but spelt Q-U-A-Y, um, come Excellent. and they hand out lyrics to shanties and they come and sing, sing a bunch of traditional sea shanties. Is there something where we could be handing out lyrics for the folk songs that are already within the show, but also for other folk songs that maybe have an attachment locally? Um, and using that and in, in inviting the audience to kind of sing along with certain parts of it. I guess, love that idea. I'm 100% on board. These, there are just these bits where they're talking about songs while they're happening, and that'll be very... The, people can't hit, li- sing and listen at the same time. Well, you have certain refrains, yeah. I guess. So you have certain yeah. refrains that people are invited I, I to wonder, sing along with. I wonder if we don't have to have the songs and the dialogue happening over each other then, yeah. whether we just we lean more into that musical thing, which, which is what you were saying, Caleb, and just turn it into like a set piece where we go, okay, you've got some lyrics. Mm. Uh, I'm going to call and repeat so that whoever the most confident actor musician is comes out with their guitar and drashes out the chorus and go, right, now we're going to do it again with me. Okay, let's go mm. and do the song and then have a bit yeah. of dialogue. It'd be very different, but I think, yeah, think we'll get everyone involved. I like that as well because this film is 90 minutes long, yeah. which is not very long. And a night of immersive theatre, you might expect to be slightly longer. And I think actually kind of separating those things and maybe using songs to launch us from one location or one setting into the next would be a good way of kind of extending that running time to maybe two hours or something, two and a half hours without it feeling unnatural. Like we've added in lots of stories. I really like this. I like this idea as well, because they, in the film, there is this sense that everyone in the town is in on everything and they all can see it. And so that the audience can feel like that as well. But then we get to this point at the end when they all have to kill him. And I wonder do how do we put in the audience in a position where they have agency <laughs> where you know they feel like they are part of the decision to kill this person you know when you're watching the movie we are yes. separated from we go oh no they're gonna kill him and then we kind of get upset about it but if you as the audience are immersed in it if you feel like you're part of the town then suddenly when you get to that scene you are murdering this man and that's um mm. do we do we yeah. want to do that do we yeah i yes. think so i think the coward version is we actually give them a choice and yeah, we can then we you know when we get interviewed by the stage we say oh we wanted to really put the power in the hands of the people i don't want to actually give them a choice 
I yeah, want them to yeah. think they've got a choice, but they, they will end up burning that wicker man. Mm. If we can get someone from the audience to hold the torch and do it, even right? Better. Imagine. Oh my god! I mean, risk oh, speaking of yeah, also burning a wicker man every night. I was thinking about yes, that at one point. I was like, expensive. is that why they didn't do it at the fringe? Yeah. <laughs> well, couldn't afford well, 28 it's kind of easy because you just pretend it's off stage or you project it or something and then you kind of do yeah. some glowy lights and there we go and he screams but in the, in our outdoor nowhere to hide no no off stage yeah. thing yeah what do we do yeah. do we do we try and there is you know do we build some kind of structure that basically doesn't burn you know that's that's bromide treated yeah 100%. yeah i think and then we have just, bits of it yeah i think you could do something with yeah some still be enormous some kind of and very wood. difficult to talk <laughs> yeah. yeah i saw a production of um jerusalem outdoors many years ago now and that at the end it's implied in, in the play that he's going to burn the caravan um in this version they did they had a caravan there and they just lit the whole thing up and we were like wow i can't believe mm. you do this every night and then you stay there long enough this they had an open bar and everyone got a bit drunk and had a good time but you stay there long enough the fire dies down you realise the entire front that we actually see was metal, painted metal, and then there was just a bonfire yeah. behind it yeah. rather than any actual set. So I wonder if that, like a big metal wicker, wicker mm. man. Yeah, I then... think you could build it out of scaffolding, right? And then mm. that, to be honest, like it's not the easiest thing to talk, but like, you know, festivals put mm. up and take down things much more complex in less than a week. Oh. So I think you could, yeah, just put up this Let's sort put of this shit on a Burning Man festival. Man and then burn that, that reads, right? <laughs> yeah, that... <laughs> take it very literally. <laughs> There is actually a festival oh, wow. called the Wicker Man yeah, Festival, I, I believe, in, the, in America somewhere or something like that. Um, okay, but uh, so, even yeah. if we manage <laughs> to burn it without it, it burning it twice, how do we get um, an actor to go inside and then not die? Does this require magic tricks? Surely they go in and then come out the other side. Can they do that? Or I Well, know. I mean, it kind of has to. Like community actors. <laughs> Just, just keep burning through. <laughs> uh, it's a community play. We are, we'll my, my take one is, from the community. There's, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have to sacrifice a member of the community. Yeah, <laughs> just take it super literally. Wow. Um, my question is, what do we do with the command? Before is it just always on in sight? This was one of my thoughts because yeah. I think either you do what they do in the film and you have it in another location where you can't see it, like in a woodland or something. Although again, health and safety. I, I do worry about accessibility as well. Or we've you just have the thing that we have with the DVD cover and with the kind of cultural idea of it and you just have it there and everyone knows and you just build to it and you just see it the whole time and you kind of play with that. The whole thing, right, is that he is, you know, he fits their, their criteria because not only has he come of his own accord and, you know, he's, he represents the king and he's a virgin, but also he's a fool yeah. and he doesn't see what's staring him blindly in the face and i think having a wicker man looming over the whole production and then at the end he's like oh there's a wicker man that i'm gonna yeah. burn <laughs> oh is, I, I didn't see I, that there <laughs> yeah it, may, it very much makes him out yeah. the fool so i think that could work mm. i do think yeah you have this whole procession section i do think you could you could maybe toy with the idea of having a uh production where the wicker man is somehow out of sight and we go from one setting to the other and to make that work for accessibility if you made it where it's actually quite close mm. but the procession goes a long way around mm. but you can have people that have accessibility issues are taken on a shorter procession by some of the uh, act musicians maybe there's another way of doing it like that mm. but i think yeah why not have it just looming think, over I the entire production this is why i love collaboration here's me going but accessibility won't work boom there's an answer we yeah. can do anything we like. Fringe, i guess that changes location to location then doesn't it? So it now we're touring this show some places it will be right there mm. in front of us and some places it will be a procession we get to walk to and i think that's really and fun. i think that's the that's the beauty of it right you can collaborate as well with the people that run that site the people that live and work near there and the and the sort of local performers as well and you can make the most of the production depending on where you put it and different places it will have a completely different feel to it so i think that's i think that's fun did we did we solve not burning a human alive each night or are we leaving that to like work out another I mean... time <laughs> they just walk out the back right? yeah i, I think you probably have someone going yeah. and then you have yeah you have an exit in the back that you can't see we are whatever they do in magic shows yeah it's yeah. just a little trap door i was gonna say even even if we don't see them like obviously in a film you want to see him in the wicker man as much as possible to get mm. that sense of realism i think at a, a theatrical yeah. event even if you clearly watch, in fact, probably it would help for everyone's fears to be sort of subsided. If you see him walk out the back, look, this is an illusion. Yeah. It's not real. Seeing a wicker man being burnt is impressive enough without, yeah. and you can just imagine there's a person inside. You can I have don't some animal, recorded realism. animal noises and things as well. Oh, yeah. Those horrible scorpions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're not burning Chickens. animals every night either. 
No. Well, no, 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 we're not going to burn Some animals did well, die and I think that. Really? I suddenly remembered really? that when I was that watching it. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, that actually Plus doesn't surprise me. That's, uh, I think that does come a little bit back to this audience culpability mm. thing where we make them feel like they might have agency, but whatever happens, they're still going to burn him at the end. I think you do have to give, you know, with an immersive production like this, you do have to give the audience an out mentally yeah. where at the end of the show, they can say, okay, that was done and we didn't burn a man alive yeah. kind of yeah. thing. Because because this kind of stuff, if you do it right, is shocking mm. and it should be shocking. But I think as well, you want everyone to be able to have a few drinks afterwards and talk about the sort of themes of yeah. paganism versus Christianity. I, and right? I think ideally all of the cast, in, including the sergeant who we burn, will go to the bar afterwards yeah. and be among... Because, I mean, especially if half the cast know the people who are watching because of how mm. we've done yeah. it. Get the main cast to come out. They don't mm. have to drink. We can't force that. But come out and hang out as well to have that kind of yeah. relaxation. There's a version of the film, yeah. I believe, or maybe it was never shot, mm. where it suddenly starts raining and he doesn't die. Oh, lame. No, that that <laughs> was... They were, they were going to do a, a sequel... So Anthony Schaffer wrote right. a sequel oh. where where at the it, it started exactly where the last one ended and um it was like a bunch of police officers from the mainland came and saved him uh, at the last Boo. second but he wrote <laughs> he wrote the, he wrote the script for it 18 years after the first <laughs> film so they were just never going to make it cuz all of the cast yes. were 20 years old or so um yeah i it's no obviously never happened and i think better yeah. for it really because it would have been weird although we did get a nicholas cage version do not which speak i've not seen yeah. but as far as i'm aware the, the cult turned out to be feminism and they yeah happies. they're a mis- misandrist female cult it's uh sister summer Isle rather than wow and they put yeah they put the um, bead thing on his head apparently it's quite bad <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, yeah that's just that doesn't exist um there's, so there's um there are some more intimate moments the uh, bit uh, that are interesting. There's the there's the bit where they eat a frog to to cure sore throat. Uh, yeah. There's, oh, there's the, right. uh, I, I so thought we were talking about Nicolas no, Cage. No, so I moved I on like, from Nicolas Cage. <laughs> okay. There's the bit where they exhume a body that that isn't yes. a body. Um, which yes. again is just 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 in case of like you know, do we want to stand there for five minutes while someone digs digs up a grave, or do is it how do we how do we this is all it's little technicalities, I isn't think it? You have it ready to just. I was going to say, is that right, if that's about halfway through? So he's kind of got further and further, and he's discovered mm. that Rowan Morrison is dead. We want to make this now like two hours with songs. Mm. We've got a bar that's in the play and mm. serves drink. Hope that I keep pushing for that. I hope that's true. Um, maybe that's our <laughs> interval. Maybe it's like, okay, who wants to help out? A couple of volunteers from the audience to start dig. We don't. It's not. It doesn't have to be six feet deep, of course. Just a couple, like small. Yeah. And then it's like now you have got twenty minutes to go get a drink while we dig this up. When you when you're ready and sat back down, well, imagine the thing, and it can paying be part for of it. a ticket to a performance in which you are made to exhume a body. <laughs> it's like, come on, you can't finish the play otherwise. Maybe you get you get like a free drink out of it or something. You'd be like, look, we'll give you a yeah. pint of. Oh, Rosie, if you if you get this on. Do you want to break the tension? My instinct would be not mm. to have an interval, though. Ah, interesting. Uh, see, because we often talk at, um, generally towards the end about if there should be an interval and where would we place the interval. When I watched the film, the moment where I went, oh, this should there should be an interval is the moment straight after they dig it up. He opens the coffin and there's a hair mm. in there. Bam, you know, curtains fall. It's the interval. And then the audience are left wondering. Um but you could carry it straight on through because the film does. The film doesn't even give us a moment yeah. to think about the hair because immediately he's chucking it at Lord Summer Isle and saying, well, why is that? And it does feel a bit cheap yeah. to be like, boom, let's find out next week what's in the coffin. And then it's <laughs> not the body, um, which is a bit, uh, yeah. yeah, maybe I think I'm on team no interval. Yeah, I think there's just a feeling in it that it's like as soon as he arrives that these wheels are in motion and you're moving towards something. And I just wonder if having that interval would just kind of break it up too much. Because then you kind of go, what's Howie doing during the interval when he's on this like relentless quest? Is he just yeah. standing to a side? Does he like go up towards that's... the house during the interval? Yeah, I feel like that's... Yeah, that's yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of structurally, I totally agree with you guys and that we have we should have no interval. The story just wants going on through. This idea of the, the touring outdoor production, though, makes me think that maybe a break for people to go to the toilet, to hang out, to ch- to make it yeah. to the wider event, I think, would be benefit yeah. from a break. But you're right. I think structurally I, I also, it works. Yeah, I, I don't know. I find it interesting that you guys watched it as so relentless because for me, it only becomes relentless 
after he challenges Lord Summerall about the hair. And up until that point, it's almost kind of, it's a bit meandering. He's kind of like, at every moment, he's like, oh, maybe I'm going to go back to the mainland tomorrow. And then there's something that sort of drags him back in. And he's like, oh, I'll stay another day and then I'll go mm. back to the mainland tomorrow. And and the whole way through, the, the film is kind of weirdly paced mm. because like not kind of nothing's really happening. He doesn't even really make many big revelations about what the, you know, what the island is or who these people are in that first like 50 minutes to an hour because he's just sort of wandering about chatting to people and not really getting anywhere. And all of them just kind of blank him so that he's just like, you know, do you know about this person? They're all literally like that first bit where he arrives. And oh, that like, could, yeah, that's no, definitely going to be no audience members that about. he shows that to. It's like, do you know this guy? Yeah. Yeah. They won't know. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, they won't have seen her. Yeah. I was going to say, um, I, I, to me, basically the entire first 70 minutes of the film is, is, is the Islanders kind of giving him an opportunity to escape. He has like, multiple yeah. like even that whole like sex temptation scene the the upshot of that yeah. is if he had been tempted he would not have died right because then he wouldn't have been yeah. a virgin yeah it wouldn't have and died. so it's yeah, yeah. it's really i know i think that's the point the point is that it's kind of it's very not inevitable and he has he has ways out and he doesn't realize their ways out because to him they seem bad and i think that's it right is once he's discovered the hair in the ground that's when he's kind of is locked in. Mm. Like he, he, he goes to the plane afterwards and it's, it's clearly been sabotaged by someone. So by that point that they've decided he's, he's definitely being sacrificed. So maybe having some kind of break there, whether that be to have this, this actually dug up, which I kind of, I do quite like, I mean, maybe not to ask the audience. Yeah, I, was gonna, to I take it, that back maybe, now. That would I think really you could just have now. a half, like a half dug grave. You could just go to a specific spot. And yeah, then just yeah. pull up and, the well, and I think, like you mentioned, Sam, like having Howie say, oh, you know, I'll buy a round for anyone who wants to help us dig up a coffin. People would probably <laughs> be keen yeah. for that. <laughs> Go and on. They, and they get a free pint out of it. I think one of the things I really love about this film is, like loads of 70s films, basically structurally, the Hollywood formula of this has happened five minutes in, this has happened 10 minutes in, relentless, relentless, action, action, action. It, it it's all feels inevitable in this film, but it wasn't, like every film had adopted that exact same structure yet. It just allows itself for the first hour to enjoy where it is and enjoy the atmosphere yeah. and do some jokes and yeah, dark jokes that help you understand the the story, but it, it enjoys itself and just lets it sit, sit in its own juices for a bit. And I think why not lean into that for the play as well? And if we're adding these songs, maybe the second half, if we have an interval or even if we don't, the second half is that, relentless story and the first half is a lot more here's some songs here's some good times here's some shanties here's some you know, do you know i mean just enjoying being in the, the atmosphere of a, a big community event yeah which is why i think maybe an interval would work but i'm yeah. i'm happy to leave that up to everyone else mm. whether we do or not i was just going to say you you mentioned there sam about this sort of this very specific feeling of it being a 70s film and there's a very specific sort of design to it that is kind of pagan but like in a way that could only have come from the 70s mm. i think and i guess i a question i was going to ask is do we keep it set in the 70s and do we just ask people to accept that there is this cultural difference between that and life now or do we try and find a way of updating the story to a modern day i was reading a little bit because i'm i'm very interested in folk horror and the folk horror kind of um, movement and this is one of considered one of the the like central films of that movement um and one of the things i was reading about it was the idea that when they made it in the 70s that it was meant to be these pagan traditions but they exist in a culture that feels like tangibly contemporary um yeah so i don't know i don't, wouldn't want it to be like you know iPhones on the island kind of like vibe but I feel like you kind of you don't want it to feel like too much of a period piece you kind of want to weave in that traditional stuff with the animal masks and the the kind of carnival feeling but I I yeah my feeling would be that you'd want to have people dressed in like otherwise kind of modern clothes and kind of a feeling that it is yeah. it could be happening now and with promenade you hit the issue of like oh did the audience need to dress up and all that kind of stuff and you avoid yeah. that with modern yeah. Go, go yeah i think as well with the, with like so this is like the epitome of a, a lost rural community isn't it it's, it's like it's the extreme mm. version of what we have in our minds of what that is whether that's true or not i don't know but that, that's mm. the stereotype so i wonder if we have mm. modern dress but to, to avoid the flashiness of new technology mm. if we do occasionally have one of them call another one on the phone and whisper about what sergeant howie's up to maybe it's just like a little nokia or something like it's an old we imagine it's set now but these people got phones 20 years ago and went well why would i bother upgrading yeah <laughs> yeah uh, so we still get that sense of it being slightly behind the rest of the world mm. even if technically we know it's set in 2020 yeah yeah 
Or even you you have it where this, you know, this grandfather of the current uh, Lord Summerisle took over in like the 50s or 60s was kind of like one of the original hippies kind of started this sort of pagan movement on this island and then kind of kept it in the 60s it kind of remained mm. and and so there's kind of a sense of a period piece but maybe they do all have modern clothes because they still yeah. know the mainland is in this kind of slightly different time as yeah well. and that, that almost that also reads with how the film looks because you know the schoolhouse looks like a schoolhouse it doesn't look any different the buildings look like mm. you would expect them to in the 70s um it's not they don't feel yes. cut off in that they feel they don't feel cut off enough in one way, but in the other in another way, it doesn't matter, and that's kind of the point. Um, I was just thinking of Islander, which uh, you saw at the Fringe, I think, Caleb, last year, and was on Radio yeah. Four recently. And and they just go, they start. I think it's pretty sure it's set now, but they don't really have phones. It doesn't even really matter that they don't have phones. And well, because they have like a vi- a whole video call yeah. sequence in it which like our young protagonist is part of, but like the Islanders themselves, like most of the Islanders just don't really care about it. There's, it's not relevant to the, dis- mm. the discussions that are going on in the play. Yeah. I think as well, having phones immediately fucks up any plot lines you try and write because everyone has a way out. Yeah. It's go <laughs> how he calls the yes. police and goes, yeah. they've messed with my plane and I can't come back. Someone come and get me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i i watched an interesting video recently about how like modern action movies have tried to and even modern horror and stuff have tried to shy away from ever showing us smartphones because smartphones just do so much that it's so hard to like write jeopardy when someone's got a smartphone that they can do something with which is yeah very is a strange phenomenon i think in modern film that we still sort of figuring out and we don't have to figure it out for our stage versions of the wicker man there's no signal on this island yeah it's very yeah yeah, with this or someone steals his phone or it gets like broken to be fair it's, yeah I feel like it's an easy yeah, fix yeah d- deep in the grounds of a national yeah. uh, a heritage site there probably isn't a phone signal anyway yeah, so, yeah um, it's true <laughs> this yeah is true. no I think this I think we've got around that there I don't know I feel like we've covered most yeah. of it now so if no, you I wasn't. I wasn't. I mean, we, we've nearly done an hour. So I think, yeah, I, think <laughs> I was gonna. I the only things I just wanted to acknowledge that I think the Mayday scene <laughs> on stage would be just awesome. I think if we had this opportunity to yeah. give the audience and to give these community players these um, array of costumes and masks, obviously, it'd be very expensive. Um, but if we could get that together so that we have this whole parade feeling as we've already talked about i just i'm i'm really like i'm really excited by the idea especially right now i'm you know there's not i've not been in a room with more than six people for a year (laughs) um it um (laughs) this idea of like the community coming together and but then to have their like expectations subverted um is is really interesting although it's saying that yeah it's interesting Mm. because i i don't know i've is the, is this one of those films where you see the end coming because you've seen ten things based on this, and mm. so you go and so you feel it, even though you haven't seen this, or was it always was it always not that surprising where it goes? I think it's a bit of both. I think there's definitely things that like earlier films. Uh, there's lots of earlier horror films I think that do that kind of. Here's a new community. You know roughly where this is going. Not the exact same themes, but the same kind of trajectory. I think what surprises mm. me about this even now, is you watch it, and maybe it's just me, but I think there's a part, I think part it's of a the film that wants you to like the community, not the murder aspect, yeah. but everything else, of going, fuck, that seems nice. And Howie's, Howie's not a very likeable lead. Like, he's quite boring. <laughs> and I feel like they kind of want, yeah, the film kind of wants you to to be like, oh, like, I don't, I don't really... And because they paint them as such extremes, as you were saying earlier, Caleb, like... Howie is very puritanical and very like believes in the modern policing system, and then the community is like very kind of wild and traditional. You you got kind of like, well, I'm not either of these. I'm somewhere in the middle, and I don't know where about on that scale I sit. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that that has yeah. a different. Yeah, he is a cop as well. We <laughs> yeah, I was gonna that. say that has a different that has a different feel yeah, now. That no, he goes exactly, around yeah. being like, yeah. I am the law, and I you know I can do what I want because I don't need yeah. the permission of this person because I am a, I am a police officer. And I think at the time that read as like you know, well, yes, you know, he's doing he's doing good things. But I think mm. now that <laughs> doesn't read as the same. Maybe I don't. I mean, people have been fighting with the police since. They police were put in that's place. True, that's true. Like, I mean, the police. All, yeah, all cops are bastards. Yeah. That's not me. It's too much. Sorry, yeah, no, very true. You want. I don't know how political you can get, but fuck them. No, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right, and I think it mm. maybe it would have a different feeling right now in in the current sort of climate, and people would immediately dislike that aspect of him of being a policeman. But I, I do think 
there is still enough ambiguity here where you kind of say, oh yeah, but I do, you know, there, there is still something kind of compelling mm. about how he trying to seek out what's happened to this young girl. And I think particularly it being a young girl, there is something immediately compelling about that as a case, because, you know, the idea of murdering children is just so horrifying. But at the same time, there are, like you say, so many elements of this island where you're like, yeah, this seems like quite a fun place to be. And, you know, like... um they're all kind of just having a good time and, and they don't, there doesn't seem to be any particular issues with, with what they're doing apart from the fact that there is this sense that there has been some kind of bad thing they've done uh, as part of their rituals. Um, so I think that, yeah, I, I do think even in a modern setting, even keeping him a police officer, even with how puritanical he yeah. is, there's still something likable enough in him um, and in his quest that you kind of you're willing to kind of see the good in both sides of it. And I'm hoping we kind of by by the nature of doing these community productions where like half the cast if not more are are locals wherever we happen to go. I hope hope that that sums up that ambiguity within the performances because it's like because in reality hopefully if it all goes well this will be a community event in which everyone comes together does something for for the for a greater good to quote another folk horror film <laughs> for the greater good of, of of coming together and doing something cool but also we witness a horrible thing where they murder someone and so I, I, yeah. I hopefully the method by which we put this show on will match those themes that that you're on about mm. yeah i think so yeah. well i think i think we've yeah. done it i think we've done it um, <laughs> fantastic did anyone have um, a- anything else just before feel like there's no way to do it but i really want in this production to do the bit with the hand of glory which is such a pointless scene but i just love it so much when he just wakes <laughs> up and finds a burning <laughs> and i'm not i it's meant to be a real hand yeah, isn't it he sees that hand. body with no hand and then yeah there's just this mm. yeah doing it on zoom which is not helpful for podcasting but there's just this burning hand which he just throws to the floor and you never see it again and i love that <laughs> it's just funny as well because the body with no hand is this like little old lady a huge the, the hand six foot four man's like hand a big, like man's <laughs> hand I did not make that connection she was a now. working woman in her life that's true <laughs> yeah okay so yeah. We, go, we go out we say everyone close your eyes everyone close your eyes and, and then just go oh and then hand. it's gone <laughs> that's it yeah and close your eyes again it's gone <laughs> um, I used to have one of those little magic kits where you could ha- you put your hand in that hand and then you could like take it off and make it like walk around I on its own I don't know anything you know, about like, this like a green screen huh? what? you can make you can make a hand like <laughs> what are you on about it was like a magic trick kit anyway um, that's not that's not staying let's talk more once we've, once we've wrapped up yeah I want to know more about this um, <laughs> thank you guys so much for coming on uh, I hope you've had fun doing that I think we've got something 100%. really maybe not stageable yeah. but in a hypothetical world. No, yes, no. Oh, you have we little faith. <laughs> no. I think if anyone out there is going to bastardise one of the greatest films of all time, after this conversation, the four of us are the yeah, ones to do absolutely. it. Let, let, let our people will talk to your people. We'll make it absolutely, yes, yes, yeah, yes. We definitely it. have people. Um, <laughs> um, fantastic. Uh, what are you guys up to at the moment? T- tell us what you're doing what what's happening what we're doing okay so we both do a playground podcast which we talked about at the start of this um which please go get on to listen to this one first because you're a loyal listeners here but if you've got spare time go and listen to to playground theater podcast um i do a couple of the podcasts but you can find that on the twitters which i assume we're doing socials in a minute um oh main thing for me to plug and then that's i'm going to throw to you that we did earlier is uh, the norwich fringe festival um which me and a couple of others recently kind of revived after several years off um, of it, if it not lying quite dormant. So if you go to norwichfringe.org.uk, you can see what we're doing throughout the year there. Um, and it's quite exciting to be part of like a new, a, a new festival, um, that now will be doing stuff a lot moving forward. Nancy, I'm going to throw to you visually for those listening on the podcast. I'm leaning my arms back and lobbing them. Yeah, it's like a drama game. Javelin in Nancy's direction. And I'm going to catch it. Yeah. Um, I, I have nothing that's going to be seeable by anyone for a long time. So. I'm just going to, I'm just mysteriously working away on various things. Well, I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure <laughs> that people will want to find out what you're doing in the future. And yes. if they want to do that, they can maybe follow you on socials. Where, where can they find you they there? They could. They could follow me on uh, Twitter at N underscore Netherwood. Uh, and they can now follow Sam. We notoriously at the end of every episode of our podcast say that Sam can be found in various locations because he was never on Twitter. 
but now... Yeah, now, as of yesterday, as of recording, uh, I'm on Twitter at Sam Weber Cool, which is a very that juvenile is, that's name. That's a very, I'm 13 and I need an email address. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I got this yesterday, age 25. <laughs> <laughs> we love it, we love it. Um, and, and where can people find the podcast on Twitter as well, if they, if they want to hear about episodes we new episodes. are at playground poddy there's no underscore in it is there sam <laughs> no no at it. playground poddy i don't even know these things and i run it um so yeah we we have that's our uh twitter for the show and we post new episodes every other thursday lovely and cool. caleb where can people find you online uh you can find me on twitter instagram and letterboxd at caleb lebster c-a-l-e-b-l-e-b-s-t-e-r and jake where can people find you i online? am on twitter and letterboxd at jake reesh that's j-a-k-e-r-e-e-s-h and we are maybe like it productions and this is the maybe you like it podcast you can find us on twitter and instagram at maybe you like it that's with the letter u or you can find us on facebook at maybe you like it productions that's with the word u or you can visit our website at www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk or you can drop us an email at info at maybeyoulikeit.co.uk otherwise if you enjoyed this episode or indeed any of our episodes then please leave us a rate or a review wherever you get your podcasts and share us around with your friends because we love to have new listeners and maybe you like that maybe you didn't oh lord oh jesus christ That was a Maybe You Like It production. Maybe you liked it, maybe you didn't.